Welcome to Engaged Company Culture, a podcast directed at you, helping you to stop the employee exodus in your organization. This podcast has three different types of episodes. First, you have tips, tricks, observations, stories, research from me, Dr. Katherine Weiberg of Profitable Alignment. Second, interviews with other consultants, other coaches who are here to serve you so you can learn other tips and tricks to engaging your employees, to stop the employee exodus, to consciously create and continue a company culture where people want to be and where they encourage other people to come to work and to become your customers. Third, I interview other business leaders who have engaged company cultures and want to share their stories. You might learn from them how they have applied principles of company culture to increase their employee retention, increase their profits, increase their productivity, and increase everyone's job satisfaction. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today's guest is Katie McLaughlin. She is the founder, chief strategist, and transformation artist at McLaughlin Method. She helps organizations create engaged employees and a positive, inclusive workplace culture. She uses techniques from improvisational theater to rehearse common scenarios in the work environment and adopt behaviors that support organizational goals. I have to tell you, this got me super excited when she and I were first talking. Katie has over 20 years experience facilitating, teaching, and coaching. Before starting McLaughlin Method, Katie earned two Horizon Awards for her trainings, supported software implementations with robust change management programs, and developed countless onboarding programs for sales, customer service, and other customer-facing roles. Katie is passionate about people, dancing, and travel. She believes we can build a better world one interaction at a time. And I have to say, talking to Katie always makes my heart dance. So I hope that you will enjoy this as much as I do. Katie, welcome to Engaged Company Culture today. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Catherine. I'm so excited to be here and thanks everyone for joining us and for listening. I love that you use improvisational techniques with business situations because we often hear you need to role play and, and practice and it gets so concerning sometimes. But I read in a business book called To Sell is Human that improv is the easiest way and the most effective way to learn sales techniques, as well as everything else, quite frankly. I'd love to hear a little bit about the improv techniques that you use. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm so glad to hear that that was mentioned in that book, and I'll have to add that to my reading list. But you're absolutely right. If we 
really think about what it means to be human, we are improvising every day. And to be a, successive, a, a successful salesperson, to be a successful manager, uh, to be successful in life and especially in business, you have to be able to improvise. Now, what does that actually mean? It means whatever comes at you, you're able to kind of intake, process, and then like make a decision on how you're going to respond. Uh, so there's a lot of companies actually out there who are trying to bring theater and especially improv into the business world. And I will tell you that a lot of the things they focus on are collaboration, uh, creative thinking, right? So thinking outside of the box and, uh, and then connection, right? So um, helping to kind of see the other person as having good ideas. So there's a lot of tenants of improv that you might hear. There's a number of business books actually out there. And some of the tenants are yes and. So as opposed to saying no to someone's idea, saying yes, and then adding to it. So yes, and I particularly love this piece of that, or I particularly think this nugget of what you were describing is the most important, focus on that. It doesn't have to be agreeing with everything, so part of how I engage with my clients is teaching some of those principles, but most importantly, I give you body-based exercises to use to improvise. So to learn what is your gut response when something happens in the workplace, because if we don't know what that is, we're just going to immediately respond with that first emotion, which is usually not always the most supportive, right, of a team, not always the most professional. Um, that said, your emotions are valid. And so knowing what's going on there then can help you make a choice on how you want to respond. And so I use theater where you take your, uh, for those of you who are watching, you're gonna get a better uh, sense of this because I'm gonna act it out. Uh, but so essentially I'll give you a prompt. Um, and so I've got a manager who needs to go into a meeting with a one-on-one, and they have to deliver negative feedback, constructive feedback, uh, et cetera. So their reaction of like, how do I feel going into this conversation? That might show up in an, uh, an image using larger than life images. These are not actually how you show up in a conversation at work, uh, but the manager might kind of put their hands up in front of their face and scowl and, and really they don't want to be there, right? And if we think about, so just creating that image, there was so much tension for me in my upper body. Um, you know, I was closing my eyes, lots of tension in my face. I didn't like, I don't want to go into a meeting with that energy, with that level of tension, because then that's just going to filter out in the way I speak to the person I'm in a one-on-one -on -one with and likely going to keep my brain kind of in that like fight or flight mode where I'm not really using the rational part of my brain in the same way that I could be if I took a moment and relaxed, got honest with myself of what I was worried about and maybe did a little pep talk for myself, tried to reframe, uh, how do I really wanna be? And maybe that, that new image I wanna create is some kind of like offer of like a hand forward and openness of like a kind of come, come with me, you know, maybe that's kind of the actual feeling I want to create and bringing that intention 
into that conversation is going to impact again all those word choice things how relaxed you feel uh, etc i totally and completely love the the visuals of trying to push everything off or trying to invite somebody in I also love that you mentioned reframe because my thing is reframe, rewrite, redesign. So if you're looking at it differently, I love the way you said, what do you want to create instead of what you're already creating? And look at it differently. Same situation, different approach, different framework. And from there, you can rewrite how it's going to go and then redesign the future. Mm -hmm. So your method and my method, they, they mirror each other in many ways. Absolutely. Except that I don't do the improv. So right. <laughs> I think it would be helpful. I, I just love everything that that does. It's the, every mode of learning is involved in what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And especially the I think the most successful way that I've used this method is in groups. I frequently work with teams uh, or even maybe a cohort of, of leaders. And when they get a chance to, if they're all responding to the same prompt, they get a chance to see that they're not alone in how they might feel. And so that immediately starts to disarm uh, anyone, you get to be more honest, more transparent, uh, more vulnerable with each other. And then you can also start to appreciate that we all have differences when, that we bring into the workplace, different opinions, different ideas, different backgrounds, different identities. But many of us experience a very similar emotional landscape. And when we start to acknowledge that there's something inherently human about how we react, then we're better able to, like I, like you said in my intro, you're better able to use inclusionary behaviors when interacting with your team. You don't immediately feel like, oh, you're different than me when you can start to see, hey, we're actually kind of the same. Compare as a form of empowerment instead of a form of beating yourself up or thinking you're better than somebody else. Right. Suddenly you can say, oh, I do this well, and therefore I can help this person. Or this person does that well, and therefore that person can help me. Right. And seeing that, especially in that method that you're using, the McLaughlin method, I think that, again, as people are disarmed, as they recognize that we're different, but we're the same. I should say we're different and we're the same, following the yes and yes. perspective because but has a tendency to discredit what you said before that's why we say and it's so we can build on it and increase on it so how can people resolve personal conflicts at work i anticipate it comes out of the disarming and so forth totally uh conflict has been a big theme for me with my recent clients and in many of the different workshops that i've done with them and Really, the core of conflict is unspoken expectations, where like I, as a leader, expect that this thing is going to take X amount of time and to complete. And when it's not completed at that stage, then I'm going to start to bring up 
feelings of frustration. I'm going to start criticizing and maybe asking really pointed, uh, not the kindest or softest questions of the person who has not completed their work. And then if we flip that on the other side of the person who has been asked to do this work in a period of time, they might have the unspoken expectation that this thing has to be perfect before I bring it back to my leader, that uh, they might also expect that they're, if they ask for help, that their leader is going to think that they are, um, you know, inadequate, you know, unskilled, unable to handle the work. And, and so there's kind of this emotional conflict that is breeding on both sides of that conversation. And ultimately a lot of conflict is going to come from like our past. So a number of things that have influenced, whether that's the media and how the media portrays leadership and management, the stories we hear from friends and family about their relationships at work. And then of course, our own experience of relationships at work where we might have you know, experienced a toxic leader who felt all those things that, and expressed all those things that that you know, employee was feeling of, you can't ask for help. And if you don't meet this deadline, you are out of here. Uh, you know, so we're bringing that all into our work relationships, even if those circumstances and what I call workplace hurt, if that workplace hurt didn't happen in this workplace, it doesn't get left in the old workplace. We bring all of that as baggage that informs how am I supposed to show up? That was fantastic. I'm thinking of all the places where I've seen that type of thing. And it's, it's again, reframing. I love that you're talking about emotional connection, that you're talking about your baggage from one place to another, that conflict is all created from unspoken expectations and unresolved expectations as well. I, I almost had nothing I could say because it was so fantastic what you said. And all I could think was all these places. If only they understood that if it's spoken, it can be dealt with. Right. Sometimes, like you said, when it's spoken, it creates the problem. However, mm -mm. that still can be dealt with. So I'm so glad you mentioned that like when it's spoken, it can be dealt with because like if you were to ask the majority of people in the workplace today, how much, like on a scale of one to five, like how much do you like conflict with five being, I love it. And one being conflict, I'm going to run away. Most people would be on the like ladder, like lower half of that scale. Um, Cause like the number of times I, I can think back in relationships, friendships, like just my experience in society, people are always like, oh, I hate conflict. Um, and a big part of that is that we have not never developed the, the communication skills to engage in conflict. And even beyond that, I believe that, you know, you can go and take a conflict resolution class, which is going to give you language framework for, oh, try, you know, I statements and, you know, try to avoid you statements uh, and a variety of other techniques. And those things are great when you're ready to actually have those conversations. But most of us don't have that understanding of ourselves 
in order to be able to articulate why is this conflict coming up for me and what does it feel like? What's the impact on me and what does that bring up? And that's why I use this technique, this body of work called image theater is that you don't have to be able to say, I'm afraid. You don't have to be able to say, I have no idea what I think I'm doing. Uh, you know, you can use your body and your facial expressions, which is kind of a universal language, right? We hear stories all the time of when you're engaging with somebody who speaks a different language than you, that you can kind of mime something and figure out what somebody needs. And so we're using all of that as a way to express and understand how do I actually feel in this scenario? What's going on for me? And, and then like in both sides, how can I start to understand what's happening on both sides of that conflict? Excellent. Thank you. I, again, I'm thinking of, of times that I personally have avoided the conflict. Whereas I was doing a training at an organization recently and one of the attendees said, I love conflict. I thrive in conflict. It is so much fun. And it threw everybody else off. But at the same time, we didn't fully delve into, we did a little bit, but we didn't fully delve into what this person loved about conflict. Mm -hmm. But some of it is, is the give and take communication. And right. being able to express herself and say, this, mm. is, this is what I love. And then hearing the other person's perspective. I remember I've had job interviews where uh, somebody would ask me, so how do you respond to conflict? And mm. my answer at one time became conflict is simply a disagreement it's a difference of opinion and if you can talk about the difference of opinion then it doesn't have to escalate you can talk about what needs to happen and i love that i still find my default is do what i can to avoid the conflict or to find a way to reframe it so that when i talk about it it makes the point without hurting anybody, including myself, but recognizing that all conflict starts as an unspoken expectation or a difference of opinion. And it's just an opportunity to communicate. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I hear you describing like, oh, it's just, it's that chance to have that conversation and start that. And we don't do that enough in so many circumstances of our lives. Um, uh -huh. You know, it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, romantic relationships can be so hard. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that we have this very deep animalistic in instinct to belong. Because if we don't belong historically, we would have been killed by like a tiger or, you know, some other predator. And so in, we developed, we evolved to want to be part of the group. And it's very common for any of us to see, you know, some kind of difference as a possible warning sign of being, I'm going to be outside of the group now. And 
And I don't mean to just have that be instinctual because we also learned that behavior as children. If we think about back to like elementary school and middle school, when you could be ostracized, you're in the group one day and you're out of the group the next day. Like we learned that very tiny things can cause you to be on the outs. So it's important that we like acknowledge that this is a thing that all of us struggle with. So what would you recommend for helping people not feel like they're on the outs so that they can feel included in the midst of the possibility of conflict and stuff? I'm so glad that you asked that because it's important that we start that we start with ourselves. We can't control anybody else. And it's really easy for us to just take something else that happens externally and turn it into a personal thing, right? So, you know, if you're somebody who's a, you know, a person of reflection and would want to just kind of respond to questions and not use my method, that's okay. Um, but one of the questions I would ask that you think about is like, is this actually about me? And if it's not about me, how am I making it about me? Right. And then, and then asking yourself, like, what does that feel like? Um, and now that some of that can be really deep work, right? So you might, you might want to unpack that with support, right? With a coach, uh, with a therapist, uh, very pro all of those things. Um, but you know, the other thought that I have for you, and, and this is something that I literally did this week where I was approaching something in my business and I just didn't want to do it. I wasn't motivated to do it. I was really disconnected. And so I used my own method. I was like, Katie, you have a method that can help you understand what's going on for you. So you don't bring in that energy that you like want to leave at the door. Right. So I, I asked myself, okay, so what's going on? Why don't I want to do this thing? And I was like, oh, I kind of feel like this. And I kind of feel like this. And I might feel a little like this. And for those of you listening, you probably could hear the tone of my voice really changing and sounding very slumpy, right? And so then I tried to ask, I shook it off. So if you're following along at home, you can play, play this game. Um, but then I asked myself, okay, how do I actually want to feel when I have to do this thing? Um, you know, and then I actually went through a series of kind of power poses where I was like, yes, or, you know, I could do this right. Or, or, you know, some kind of like authoritative type, um, body position. And there's so much science out there about how, uh, the psychology, right. Of, of your body positions and have you held a power pose for like 30 seconds. It produces all these endorphins, uh, Right. So that that's a way that like anybody could just use little nuggets of my method to try to understand yourself better. I love it. So as organizations incorporate all of this, what does it look like? What changes have you seen? Yeah. So I guess I'll clarify that I use the method in programming to help uncover that, like what I call the gunk that keeps us stuck. I'm not necessarily training them to use this method in their workplace because, you know, that can potentially open a can of worms. Um, But, you know, what I have found is most frequently very immediate results where at the end of a session, people will, you know, answer a survey and they will describe the increase that they have a feeling of 
comfortability with their team, a feeling of support, uh, which all leads to a sense of like kind of safety and it, that it's okay for me to be who I am. I feel seen. But then they, there's also high numbers uh, in the 90 percentile of people feel valued by their company after going through a workshop like this and people's empathy improves. Um, you know, they feel like their manager uh, like supports them. You know, those are all those are all like touchy feely good things, right? And for those of us who are listening, and I know for for you and I, Dr. Catherine, we're like, yes, like mission accomplished. Um, but in case there's any doubters who are listening, um, you know, I just want to remind you the connection between engagement and that feeling of belonging and business success. There's for companies that are in like that top 20 percentile of engagement scores, they experience 59% less turnover and they can experience 68, oh, sorry, 682% more revenue over the course of like an 11 year long-term study. Uh, they experience less absenteeism. So all of that is driving productivity, profitability, um, and so it's just so important that we, we don't forget that connection between this like feel good and the business bottom line. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm thinking of other podcast episodes I've had and how you are fitting in with what others have said and how it all just comes together because truly the majority of people who have responded to exit surveys in the last year of the reasons that they've left four out of five of those reasons are related to engagement and joy at work pay is in there but four out of five of those reasons are feeling valued being engaged, feeling like progress can happen. It's it's not just, yes, I go to work and I get a paycheck and, right. and I don't like so-and-so and so I leave. There's so much more to it than that. So having somebody go through your method, go through a workshop, increasing empathy, increasing, quite frankly, emotional intelligence, which is another buzz phrase that really has reason to be a buzz it's it helps everybody that connection that increase in wanting to be there mm -hmm. yeah well and I think that most business leaders don't spend enough energy or attention on the the fact that like all of this also can impact their DEI goals. If you want people to stay who have a diverse background, come from a diverse identity, they need to feel included. They need to feel safe. They need to feel supported. So there's many, many benefits to investing in your team and investing in their happiness and their connection. With everything that we've talked about, what one or two things do you want viewers and listeners to gain from our conversation today? The first thing is that it's not always about you at work. If there's conflict, if there's challenges, 
but it can only, only change can start with you. So it is crucial that all of us in order to build a better workplace, uh, which I believe can build a better world, then we need to start with ourselves and it's okay to get help to do that. So, you know, if there's anything that has sparked interest from any of you and you are curious to know more about my method or, um, you know, just want to continue to get some encouragement, uh, I would encourage you to sign up for my email list. I would love to uh, stay in touch with any of you and, and I'd be honored to continue to, to support you all. I love that you said it's not always about you and change can only start with you. I also love the invitation to get encouragement through your email list. If somebody wants to reach out to you, I will have all of your links in the show notes, but what is the best way for someone to reach out to you? The best way, go to mclaughlinmethod.com. You can contact me directly right there. Uh, and I've also got a link to my LinkedIn page where I'm super active and would love to you know, connect one-on-one -on -one as well. That is absolutely fantastic. Everybody who has been listening and viewing, I hope you have enjoyed our time together as much as I have. I have learned, which is one of my favorite things. And I see all kinds of ways that the McLaughlin method can be used in the world, in, in real life per se, by improvising and allowing us to become disarmed and vulnerable and really understanding ourselves so that we can reframe, rewrite, and redesign. The McLaughlin method is one of those fantastic tools. Thank you so much, Katie, for being here and everybody who has been listening or viewing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to or viewing today's Engaged Company Culture episode. I hope you have enjoyed the episode. I hope you have learned something and have something that you can apply today to engage your company culture and encourage your employees to enjoy work. Looking forward to Mondays instead of only looking forward to Fridays. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone else you know. Also, like and subscribe to Engaged Company Culture anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you and have a wonderful day.